In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the scripture reading, we read about how Christ is speaking about the cost of discipleship, and what is it that the people should do in order for them to be disciples. He mentions that we have to leave our family, that we have to count the cost, that we have to consider what is it that we are committing to when we walk as Christians. And at the very end, in the last couple of verses, he speaks about how we are like salt. He says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? The idea of salt and the concept of salt is used in a lot of places in the scripture. And here Christ is saying that we need to be like salt. So let's look at what does it mean to be like salt and in what way should the believer be like salt? The first function of the salt as a believer is to sanctify the world. Actually, in the Old Testament, when the people were to offer sacrifices to God, he would ask them to first season it with salt before it would be offered as a sacrifice. In Leviticus chapter 2, we read, In every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. Salt was a means of purification. It was a symbol of purity, that we are purifying and we are preserving something uh, by, by putting salt in it. And so also should the presence of the Christian, because as Christ says that we should be as salt, we also should have all of these same characteristics of salt. The, our presence should be to purify the world. Our presence should be to purify the world in several ways. One is we need to elevate it to a higher way of thinking and acting. You know, the, the world is, is very base, is very carnal. And in every way, that when people in the world act, they act according to their own selfish desires, according to what will make them feel um, good about themselves, and neglecting the needs of others. And so, as a Christian, we are called to what? Elevate the way of the world, the morality of the world, the ethics of the world, the, 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 the love of the world to a higher level, to a higher plane, by them seeing our example. Also, we are to bring the conviction of sin and the hope of salvation to the world, making people feel like there are certain things, the way that they are living is against the command of God, but that they have a hope. There is a reason to live righteously. There is a reason we are to be in communion with God. We are desiring and seeking to be in communion with Him. And so this is another way that we are like salt, like we are introducing this idea of God to the world. Also, simply by having hope and joy in everything that we do, this is also a way of sanctifi sanctifying the world. People are looking for hope. People are looking for joy. All the people that are living in sadness and depression and darkness in the world, they are not looking for doctrine when we come to them and we say, oh, well, we're going to teach you the truth. Obviously, the truth is important. But what is going to grab people's attention? What is going to make people feel like they want to listen to what we have to say? It's because they see that the doctrine that we believe in, the faith that we have, is actually resulting in us having a better life, having, having a more fulfilled life, a more satisfying life, that we actually have a life that's God intended, the way that God intended in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were lacking nothing. This is the life that God intends for human beings. And when we live as a Christian person, as we live with a Christian faith, then
then we are proclaiming to the world that we have been restored back to the original design of humanity, that we are living according to the way that God planned and designed from the beginning. And because of this, we have hope, we have joy. We are not subject to the, the darkness that's in the world. We're not subject to the uncertainty that's in the world. We're not subject to the, the inevitable end that comes from living in the world and the death that comes from the end. But our Christ has conquered death. And so even death, the greatest thing that people fear is something that has no power over us. This hope and joy that we have in us is a way that we are the salt in the world, that we go and we sanctify, we purify, we, we, we tell the people about the love of God and the goodness of God simply by our example and our presence and our attitudes. Another way that we are sanctifying the world and purifying the world is by accepting suffering in the name of Christ. Oftentimes, when we ourselves are suffering, when we are experiencing trials and diff difficulties in our life, and we do so joyfully, and we do so faithfully, and we continue to trust in God and have faith in Him and believe in Him, even as we are suffering, this is a testimony also to the world that what we believe is authentic, that what we believe is true, that what we, we, we truly believe in God and we love Him even when we have difficulties in our life. This is another way that we communicate, another way that we season the world by making them to see that our God is good, even in the midst of suffering. And we accept Christ, uh, we accept suffering in the name of Christ, we accept persecution in the name of Christ because that is how confident we are in our faith. Also, we purify the world as salt by spreading the gospel message. We are spreading the message of the gospel. We are teaching the people. We are evangelizing. We are sharing the faith that we have with people. And this, world, this word goes and it bears fruit in the life of people. We love our enemies and we forgive them. This is another way that we bear fruit. This is another way that we season the world. When we again give that example, we show people how we can love one another. And then finally, we are always thankful to God. We see that God is the source of all goodness. We see that God is the source of everything that we do. We do not seek any selfish ambition, but we seek only to praise God and to be thankful for what he's done. So these are all ways that we can season, we can sanctify the world. But before we can do this external type of sanctification, we have to be internally sanctified. We have to be internally purified. And Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is our service to God. And it's a reasonable service in the sense that it's a rational service. It's a service that we are doing with our mind. It's a purposeful service. That this is what we are seeking and trying to do in our life. We are not simply letting things fall where they may. We are trying intentionally to purify ourselves. We are trying intentionally to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy, acceptable. This is the service that we offer. So as a Christian person, in order for us to be salt, as Christ is saying, then we have to be internally purified. We have the internal characteristics of salt so that we can have the external qualities, so we can have the external effects of purity and the salt that he is calling us to have. So this spiritual struggle that we struggle in, unfortunately, because our lives have become so busy and in every way our time is taken, we find that we have very little time to do this. 
We have little time to pray. We have little time to read. We have little time to grow ourselves. We spend so much time juggling so many different things. And yet we feel like maybe as the days go by, we are not doing what it is that in really we feel from the inside we need to be doing. And this is something that has to change. This is something that we have to take seriously in ourselves and say, how many years am I going to go by simply making it by, making it through day by day with work and family and schedules and all this? Is the time determining for me? Is my life determining for me how I spend it? Or am I the one that is determining? Remember, it says what? It is a reasonable service. It's a service of the mind. It's a service that I'm choosing to live in a certain way. It's an active choice that I'm making. It is not simply, well, my schedule allows or my schedule doesn't allow. This is a choice that I make. Just like we make all the choices of how all the decisions that we make in our life, the way that we spend our time in every way, this is a decision that I choose to make. But oftentimes our decisions are based on other priorities. Our decisions are based on my career, or my education, on family responsibilities, and so on. At the beginning of this gospel reading that we read today, he said, "What? unless you hate your father and mother, you cannot be a disciple. What does that mean? It means that the priority of putting Christ first, even above family, even above everything, this is what Christ is calling us for, for discipleship. And so this idea of being the salt of the world, starts with ourselves. It starts with an internal lifestyle. It starts with a way that we live of purity, being close to God. So then we can begin to share that with other people. If we are not even at the first level, then we cannot go into the world and share. We cannot have the effect of salt in the world if we ourselves don't have that internal quality of purity inside ourselves. God told us that we would become these vessels of honor, that if we pursue him and if we desire him and if we dedicate ourselves to him, then he would make us to be vessels of honor that have a purpose that God would fulfill in the world through us. In Second Timothy 2, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of, for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. It's like imagine that God has a salt shaker and that we are the salt and wherever God wants to purify, wherever God wants to work, whatever it is that God wants to do in the world, he takes this salt shaker and he begins to pour the salt on it. And this is the means by which God works in the world, not necessarily through miracles or supernatural events, but he convicts the Christians. We are his hands. We are the ones that do the work. He convicts us to go into work. He creates us to have the talents and the abilities to do the work. So we are like the salt in this salt shaker and he simply sends us out. Just like as Christ, even though, even while he was alive and living, even while he himself could go and do all the evangelism work and all the service and in everything, and yet he taught all his disciples to go and to evangelize on their own. He sent them out. He sent his disciples, he sent his apostles out for this work. But he says what? If anyone cleanses himself, then what? He is useful for the master. But if we do not cleanse ourselves, we are not useful to the master. This doesn't mean that God hates us. It means that our, our, what God created us to do in this world is unfulfilled. And we will feel unfulfilled because we are not able to do what God is calling us for. So he wants us to be what? These vessels of honor. He wants us to be useful to him. He wants us to be able to do, to be, to, that when he sends us out, we, we go and we're able to do the work. And we do the work not because we are strong or clever. We do the work because we trust in him. 
You know, the, when the apostles, when he sent them out to go and preach, he told them, don't take any money, don't take any sandals, don't take any resources, don't take anything at all. I want you to just go and rely on me 100% to do the work. Imagine if, if, if somebody came to us or if God came to us and he says, I want you to go and preach to the entire world and I don't want you to take anything with you. I don't want you to take any money. I don't want you to take any resources at all. I just want you to go. What would be our response to him? What would be our reaction? These people he's speaking about here have been so cleansed internally, their connection with God is so strong internally, that they would be willing to go and do such a mission because they trust that every success is going to come from God and not from them, themselves. This is the way that God prepares us to be salt. Another way that the believer is like salt is by the way that we offer peace in the world. In Mark chapter 9, it says, Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. One of the ways that we are salty, if you want to call it that, in the world and we, we share this you know, purity and this love with other people is that we are a source of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. We are called by God to bring peace into a place of turmoil, a place of hatred, a place where people attack one another, more than in any other time, I would say, in history, now with social media, everyone feels comfortable to sit behind the anonymity of their computer screens or their phones and write whatever it is that they want to write, attacking whoever they want to attack with whatever uh, insults that they want to hurl, whatever mockery they want to say against anyone else, and we feel that we are safe because we are hidden behind a screen and nobody knows even who I am. And I feel like I can say and do anything that I want. We are in need of peace between people, to have peace with one another. We are in need of connection and engagement and love that we show with one another, forgiveness, mercy, compassion to show to one another. And this is one of the way as Christians that we are called to do. We are called to have this salt which translates into peace, that we bring peace into the world. And by peace, I'm not just speaking about at the level of countries and wars and so on. I'm speaking about the level of the individual at the level of the individual. Because if we have peace at the level of the individual, then we will have peace in every way. Peace comes first between my interactions with God and my interactions with other people. And he is asking us to have this peace with one another. So think in yourselves, who is it that I do not have peace with? Who is it that maybe I have turmoil with? Who is it that maybe I have hatred for? Who is it that I maybe stir up um, uh, negative feelings with? And maybe I can think this week, say, well, this week I'm not going to do this. This week I'm going to pray for these people that otherwise I would be mocking or insulting or, or even feeling any kind of hatred for. I'm going to pray for them instead. I'm going to forgive them instead. I'm going to show them some kind of act of service instead, which crushes the feelings of hatred maybe that I have for them. This is another way that Christ is calling us to be the salt of the world. Another way that we should be the salt of the world is through discernment. There are a few things in the world that are black and white, and we are called to be discerning in everything. We're called to be discerning on everything. There is always extremes, and if everything was black and white, then it would be very easy to make decisions as Christians. We could say, okay, what does God say about this? All right, that's what he says, we're going to do it. But sometimes we have to apply the commandment in a wise way, in a discerning way, you know, in, in, in a way that applies to the situation. And to each person maybe that we deal with, 
We have to deal with them in a different way. When we speak about evangelism, for instance, we could go to a person that we want to teach about the word of God, and we could come to them and we just give it to them straight, like this is, this is what is said, um, in a very direct and blunt way. Or maybe we could try to approach them a different way. Maybe the way that Christ approached the Samaritan woman. When Christ was speaking to the Samaritan woman, he didn't go to her and bluntly tell her, you are a sinner and you're doing this and this and accusing her because what he wanted is to win her. He wanted to bring her to him. In Colossians 4 verse 6, it says, Let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt, that you know how you ought to answer each one. And this is a balance when we speak to people. How do I know what to say? What is the grace and what is the, the salt? I'm speaking about the mercy of God, but I'm also speaking about what is it that you should be doing? What, what is it? What is the, the way maybe that I am, I am you know, convicting you of action? I'm calling you to action, saying, yes, God, God loves you and God is merciful to you. But that doesn't mean that it's a license to live however you want. There is a certain calling. There's a certain action that you must take. And this is one of the ways that we in, as believers bring this salt, that we are discerning in the way that we deal with people, that we are discerning even in our own lives, in the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we act. So again, there are not many things in the world that are black and white. And part of this internal purity, part of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is to know how to speak to each person. If we read, for instance, in the early church fathers and the desert fathers, who were very much filled with the Holy Spirit, we see that they could go and know the heart of each one. You know, two different people, they would be, say, downtrodden, upset about something and sad, or have some problem. And then the spiritual father would go to one and he would know exactly what to say to him. He knew what was wrong. He knew how to address it so that he would be filled with the hope of God. Maybe one specific monk, he would be um, very sad because of his sins. And he would be wanting even to leave the monastery, feeling that God could never forgive him. And, you know, he, he, wants, to, he wants to depart this life. And then the, his spiritual father would come with gentleness and with mercy and with love and compassion, forgiveness. And this would cause him to see the mercy of God and choose to stay in the monastery and continue his life of struggle. Another one, and he might be doing the same thing. And yet in his heart, there is pride. There is a sense of rebellion. He is not feeling any kind of repentance. And the same father goes to him. And instead of giving him a message of forgiveness and mercy, he gives him a message of judgment. And he, says, and he puts fear in him to get him to wake up from the way that he is living. Again, this is speaking to each one according to his need. For evangelism, for instance, I can speak to one person who is an atheist, different than I would speak to someone who is maybe of the Protestant faith, different of the Catholic faith, different even to someone of the Orthodox faith that maybe is not living according to their faith. So in every way, God is calling us to this. This is true also of when people go to confess. Sometimes people think they're afraid of confession because they, f they feel like if they go and speak to their father of confession, their father of confession is going to rebuke them for all the sins that they have done and that in every way like they're going to be put on the spot and embarrassed. Actually, this is the same concept here. If someone is already coming to confession, someone is already coming and humbling themselves and, 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 and you know, proclaiming their sins audibly and speaking about it, right? This person is not going to be rebuked. This is a person actually who's going to be forgiven and spoken to about the mercy and the compassion and the love of God. It is those people that do not confess. It is those people that defend themselves. Those are the ones that would receive rebuke because they are choosing not to 
repent. They're choosing not to confess their sin. This is, again, the way that we should be discerning. He says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So we have to ask ourselves, how is it that we speak to people? Are we speaking with this salt? Are we speaking in a balanced way? Are we speaking in a way that people need? Or are we not doing so? And finally, he says what? In Matthew chapter 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How shall it be seasoned? He speaks in several places about the idea that as believers, what happens if we lose our salt? Right? Because this is important. Again, we are like the salt and the salt shaker. So imagine if God is taking the salt shaker and he's pouring it on something and it's, the food is not getting any seasoned. Like you're, you're trying to eat food that needs some salt and you keep pouring salt on it and, and the taste doesn't change. Right? Then it's a useless salt. There's no point in putting salt on. Salt is not made to be eaten separately. Salt is made to be put on something and it changes its taste. It's, it, it purifies it. It makes it better because the salt is on it. Nobody takes salt and eats it by itself. Well, maybe some people do, but I don't think you're supposed to do that. Um, so, so here he's speaking, if the believer loses the saltiness, if the believer loses this, then we lose all these characteristics. Then we lose all of these ways that God is intending for us to be vessels of honor, to be used, useful for the master. As he said, we want to be what? Useful for the master. So if we are willing to forsake our role as being the salt, then what is it that we have? This leads to a life of unfulfillment. It leads to a life of feeling guilt and shame that we are, we are not trying. We are not doing anything. We, we are living for ourselves instead of living for God. So as sometimes as believers, we, we go astray and we forget our purpose and we forget why God made us. And, and we often compare ourselves to the world and we say, you know what, I'm just living like anybody else. I'm, I'm doing the same things. I'm watching the same things. I'm listening to the same things. I'm hanging out with the same people. I'm living my life just like anyone else. But this is not what God is calling us to. He's saying, you are the ones that have to be the salt to season everybody else. You are the ones that have to be different so that when God uses us for service, we elevate the rest of the world. This is what he's calling us for. This is the means by which... The world is to be elevated. The means by which the world is to be saved. He said what the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. The salt is few. The salt is few that are willing to go and to reap the harvest. The, it's, the, it's few. So we have to ask ourselves, am I living like everyone else or am I living above the world? Am I living above the principles of the world? We don't want to have a sense of aimlessness in our life. Aimlessness re leads to depression even can lead to suicide. If I feel like I have no purpose, I have no function, I have no value, then what is my point of being here? What is my point of being here? We know that in the end, what is, th what is there so good about the world that we enjoy the world so much? Actually, our greatest joy should come from fulfilling what the master is asking us to do, fulfilling that purpose, the God-enabled purpose that he has made for each one of us, that is what we want to focus on. That is what we want to be enabled for. And this is what it means to be the salt. Like, God, help me to be the salt. Like, I want to, to be, I want to be purified so I can purify others. I, I, want, I want to be talented so that I can use my talent for the service of others. So in conclusion, we spoke about five points related to the believer being salt, the salt of the earth. The first, our purpose was to sanctify the world, to go into the world and to purify it, to change it, to transform it, to sanctify it, to make it different, to make it holy and righteous in the sight of God. The second is 
that this cannot happen except for if we first have inner purity. We must first be purified inside so we can have this ability to purify those who are outside. And by being purified on the inside, we become vessels for honor, that God is able to use us in service and he's able to send us out according to his will to do what needs to be done. And as those who are the salt of the earth, we bring peace to the world, we bring gentleness, we bring calmness, we bring unity, that instead of there being division and strife and hardship, instead we bring love and forgiveness and compassion in the world. And finally, we spoke about how we need to be discerning in the way that we speak to one another, in the way that we deal with people in the world. This is also the function of salt. The minute we begin to go and speak to people and to talk to them, we have to be wise in the way we do so. We have to be wise in the way that we bring the truth to people. And then at the very end, he spoke about losing the saltiness. How is it that I can function in the world as a believer? If I lose my saltiness, then of what value am I? Of what, of what good am I? God wants us to be different than the rest of the world. God wants us to be elevated than the rest of the world. God loves us, but he's also calling us to do something. He doesn't want us just to remain idle. So may God grant us to be the salt of the earth that we want to follow him and we want to do his will and that we are willing to purify ourselves internally so then we can be sent on this mission just as God sent his apostles and his disciples two by two and he said go and preach go and heal go and sanctify go and change the world go and preach the word of God to them so that those people might be saved just as by the grace of God we have salvation and glory be to God forever amen